listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters, and I'm so glad to have you here today as we're going to be talking about another one of the 10 attributes of an unshakable kids ministry. We are living in a season where a lot of our ministries feel like they've been shaken. We may feel shaken. We're unsure what to do, how to proceed, and that's not of the Lord. We need to have a confidence uh, in Him and in our strategy to know that no matter what comes, we are standing on a firm foundation as we approach our ministry to kids and to families. And so today we will be discussing age awareness. One of those 10 attributes of an unshakable kids ministry is being aware that we need to speak to kids of different ages and minister to them in ways that are age aware and age appropriate. And so as I thought about this topic and about which of my friends to invite to discuss it, right to the top of my mind immediately came Karen Kinnemer, Dr. Kinnemer. We're so glad to have you here. She is Associate Professor of Children's Ministry at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and you're also serving with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention as an associate there. So, how are you? I'm good, thank you. You are doing well in COVID. <laughs> we were, before we started recording, we were comparing notes about our work environments. You are back in your office. Mm-hmm. And happened for a couple weeks, and you really missed being in your office. Yes, I did. I like coming to the office. I like seeing people. I like, you know, uh, the thirty-minute drive that I have. I like all of that. So, yes. So as you interact interact with colleagues and with students, it's really different, isn't it? So you you mentioned to me, and, and why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your situation? You have some in person and some remote and some on the phone. What what do your classes look like right now? Uh, my classes look different. Although we have been teaching this way, it's called flex teaching for a, for years now. But typically, you will have more people in person. And because I believe that it's difficult to learn preschool and children's ministry online, I don't offer until this year, I don't offer the the regular online class. You have to zoom in with me. So when you're in my class, you're in real time. So we're having Mm -hmm. conversations. And when you read books and when you read articles and you do projects, we're talking. Now I'm, I'm doing it the regular way that all my colleagues do it. So, but the strange thing is, is that I have more people that are online. I have my preschool ministry class. There's, oh, let's say there's 15 or 16 people in that class. So I've only got four people sitting in front of me. I've got mm. four people that zoom in and the rest of the people come in later. Mm. They, they listen to a recording. And so, um, that it is strange to just look out and just see four people, but thank goodness I look out and see four people, you know, yes. and I've got people on zoom. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. We are be able to, we are still reaching people that for whatever reason uh, need to be away. Um, so, and we're very international. So if, if our students have just come in from other countries, then they are uh, of course, quarantining, for 14 days and we've not had an outbreak. Um, So we're, we're doing well. It's just different. It's different. And, you know, I think so many of us in the church are feeling that same thing. You know, we're used to having children right in front of us so we can do minutes. You said it's difficult to teach children's ministry uh, remotely. 
certainly difficult to do children's ministry remotely. And so that's a challenge that's in front of all of us now. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about maybe some specifics around that. Uh, but let's start off with just this general notion of age awareness. So um, as uh, ministers to children, um, many of our listeners are responsible for, for children from birth all the way through the sixth grade, some beyond that into their uh, preteen and teenage years. But that's a pretty big span from birth to sixth grade, even that alone. And so we really need to be aware um, of the differences in the way kids learn at different ages, the way that they uh, understand uh, cognitively, but also the way that we need to interact with them. And so that's where I wanted to tap into you and to your expertise to share with our listeners a little bit. If, if this is a new concept, where do you begin this conversation that, that helps us understand that there's a difference between a younger preschooler and an older preteen? Well, that is really, that's one of the, besides the Bible teaching uh, aspect in the sem, in my seminary classes, that's the heart of, of my classes to preschool ministry and children's ministry. Uh, first day, first thing out of the box, we are talking uh, about uh, the needs of preschoolers and how preschoolers learn. Uh, you guys have it's it's an older book, but it's been published, re redone. It needs to be updated, but there is a book called Teaching Preschoolers. It was written by Tommy Sanders and Marianne Bradbury. This is the very old. The cover looks different now, but in this book. Um, it, I guess you could call it a classic. Some things don't change. The preschoolers' needs don't change. They, uh, in the book, they talk about the the needs of preschoolers. They need love, trust, acceptance, independence, freedom, security, guidance, and a sense of accomplishment. And as you're laying the foundation, spiritual foundations for children and preschoolers, these needs are important and they need to be met when we uh, bring in children, when children come to us um, and however it is we're ministering to them now, just because they're in their homes, their needs haven't changed. But for instance, um, if someone is, if you have a new person that's that's teaching for you and they're in the bed babies or they're in the toddler room, they need to know that love for a preschooler is an action more than an abstract feeling. Mm. Uh, because when, when a preschooler um, wants to feel love from their parent or from their Sunday school teacher, their small groups leader, whatever you're your title is in your church, um, sitting down and playing with them is showing them love. Sitting down and reading the Bible to them is showing them love. And so uh, that's it's important that our teachers know that and understand that and our ministers know that. Uh, the way kids learn is, is different. Um, so you'll like, uh, a, I, we talk about this often, uh, a, ta a baby that's a nine month old baby that's sitting in a high chair Okay. One of the ways preschoolers learn is through their curiosity. Hmm. Well, a nine month old has no idea about gravity, the laws of gravity. Then, you know, they haven't learned that yet. They haven't been to whatever eight grade that is. And so it's very abstract. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So what, what do they do? Well, they sit in a chair, the high chair, and let's say they have a spoon. 
their mom is giving them a spoon to try to figure out how to use a spoon and they drop it. They're dropping it because they're curious. They don't actually know for sure that the spoon is going to fall to the ground. I mean, for all they know, it's going to go in the air, right? Because I've never know. thought of it that way before. <laughs> they don't know the laws of gravity yet. Haven't learned that. So what do they do? They, they drop that and they go, oh, wow, that spoon, it falls down. What, it, what happens? You know what happens. The mom gives the spoon back. What happens they again? Do it again. There, again, again, until the mom gets tired of the game, because then it becomes this game. And they, but what did they do? They learned because they were curious to see mm. what happens when they drop something. Um, they then uh, satisfaction comes into play. Uh, they learned what happens to the spoon when they dropped it. Well, they're satisfied because they have learned something. That's another way preschoolers will learn. They learn through their senses. I mean, I was a preschool director uh, in, Houston, in the Houston area years ago, and I walked by uh, this hallway in our church where the three-year-old, uh, four-year-old, three or four-year-old teacher was teaching, and um, she had her group there and her class, and they were by the microwave, and everybody had a Tootsie Roll. Well, you know, I'm thinking, oh, that's a lot of sugar. Oh, what are y'all doing with, of course, I'm not panicking. I'm just observing. Mm. And I said, Miss Marla, what are you guys doing? Well, they would, un each one, when it was their turn, they would unroll the Tootsie Roll. She would put it in the microwave for a little bit and she's rolling it. What she's doing that, what they're, they're rolling it and they're making worms. Well, they're curious about, so that's hands-on they're using their senses. I mean, just when you think about teaching preschoolers, your mind just goes crazy because mm. there's so many ways to teach them. So in Bradbury and Thomas's book, they talk about the way preschoolers learn are through their senses, curiosity, hands-on experiences, satisfaction, relationships, imitation, mm. play, repetition. They need to do it over and over and over and over again. Um, I could talk about this forever. Do you have a specific question, Chuck? <laughs> well, no. So it's first of all, it, I think we all intrinsically know that kids at different ages learn differently, and we understand these things. And so, as you talk about throwing the spoon, everybody is nodding along. Yes, we've all been there. We the Cheerios right all over the floor, whatever it is, um, and, and the game, uh, uh, the gamification, or the you know the game aspect of that interaction with the child where we as the adult get tired of it, but the, the child never seems to. These are all so important for us to be aware of in our ministries that we need to, when we're together, when we are able to gather, to provide those tangible, uh, tactile uh, stations or experiences for the younger ones to be able to have those experiences that they need. What, so in, in, your, um, in your mind, what, what might that look like? If I'm uh, setting up a preschool space at my church, what kind of things might I include that would be good for me to seek out? Yeah, and, and before I, I dive into that, one of the things that I want to add to that is one of the ways preschoolers learn, learn is through relationships. Mm. And so... That is key for a lot of reasons in our spiritual life. And so when, when kids come, when preschoolers come to church, uh, another reason why you don't want to have just anybody there to greet the preschooler, to teach the preschooler about God's word, because 
they're 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 learning through this relationship with someone at church mm. um, that's important. Uh, they're what a relationship looks like, and that learning relationships and good healthy relationships and relationships with Christian people, then that's laying the spiritual foundations for that time when they are ready to come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And yeah. so uh, it's really important that who we put in those classrooms and, and, and now we find ourselves uh, in this COVID pan- world pandemic relationships are still important. We need to be finding ways. And we'll talk about that, I guess, later on how yeah. we're going to relate with these preschoolers at children, elementary children learn differently. So let's just talk about a preschool room. Um, I I think that the way many uh, preschool classrooms are set up, not all, because it's kind of not everybody agrees with this, but I like the center, C-E-N-T-E-R-S approach, because that hits all of these ways preschoolers learn. And so mm-hmm. when they come in, uh, they can go to the home living center, they can go to the nature center, by the way, a lot of times the nature center is not a very fabulous center. In other words, the Sunday school teacher, the Bible study, small group leader may say, oh, let's put a branch and some leaves over there and we'll keep it there. That's nature. Well, that should be the most wonderful center in the whole room because that teaches the miracles of God. So what kind of things would you put in a, a nature center? I would put, uh, well, leaves, right? Mm. Uh, I, I would put uh, a lot of times in the Lifeway curriculum, it talks about fish. So, you know, goldfish. I would hmm. do that where they can see that. I, um, I That's would, a fun idea. Yeah. I, I would always be on the lookout for what is really good. Like, for instance, one time my husband brought home a resurrection plant. Have you ever seen a resurrection plant? I have not. Oh, it's really cool. Um, it looks dead until you put water. And you put it in water and then it turns into this green plant. You take it out of the, the water, it dies again. You mm. put it back into the water, it resurrects. It's called the resurrection plant. And so I think knowing that that is a fabulous way kids learn about God, you're always looking for what is another way a child can uh, mm. can learn about God through the nature center. But the so name I could see things like planting seeds. Now, I remember as a child, you know, planting a seed in a little in a little cup mm-hmm. and taking it home on the windowsill and watching it grow. Mm-hmm. So that's, things like that are really good. Mm-hmm. You can put uh, you can put books that talk about nature in the nature center. Mm. Uh, you can do artwork in the nature center where, you know, everybody loves to put the leaf under the paper and color, put a piece of paper over it, color it and have leaf rubbings. I mean, um, you could go on and on and on about that. Uh, but in center time, kids are learning independence. There's so many things that are learning and you're teaching, repetition comes in where you're teaching the Bible story at each center. So you mentioned a nature center, you mentioned a, uh, home Home, home life or home center, a home living center. What would be some other ones? An art center, hmm. a drama center, a music center, uh, a blocks. You always have to have blocks. Mm. Uh, and each one of those can evolve into other things. It, the block center can be a Lego center for a month. Uh, it can be the where you roll out the car, the 
the uh, put cars in there so mm. boys and girls can play with cards. Uh, the home living center one month in uh, early childhood might be the post office. Um, it doesn't always have to be the home living center. Interesting though about when you're talking about using centers on Sunday morning versus weekday. Um, they say it's important in a preschool world and a preschool room that when they walk in the door that the home living center is one of the first things they see because that makes them feel at home, right? They recognize that they know that. And so, um, so many, so many things that can be learned, a writing center. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but. So some of these things that you're talking about, um, are, uh, are more challenging to do when we can't actually meet in person. So uh, we, we may not have a lot of children in our space right now. However, some of the things that you're talking about are things that we could equip parents to do at home uh, and, and, and empower them to help teach that biblical truth for the week. So we might encourage them to grow a plant together or to go out and gather some leaves to work on some art. And so uh, although we may like to, you know, uh, have control of those stations in our own space, these are the kind of things that moms and dads may not come up with on their own, that maybe we need to, as leaders, uh, make those connections from the Bible lesson to these activities for parents of younger kids. Exactly. And um, when you give them, of course, like we're, we're talking always about how to help parents be successful and what is a win for a parent. Uh, some of these things they may not realize are helping lay spiritual foundations in in the lives of their children. They don't know the conversations to have. They don't know that just sitting down and uh, playing blocks is um, is really investing in their child spiritually. It's when casual conversations happen, uh, questions and answers, and good times. And so, yeah, uh, I think parents think that they're not good at this because they don't know all of the theological things that they should know. And really, these foundations are laid uh, can be laid simply. Uh, and I think, yes, and I think our children's ministers, the ones that I've talked to, they're doing such a good job of trying to reach parents and talk to parents and porch visits. I love that. I love that term. We have a whole new language coming out of this world pandemic. And there's, there's a lot of the, we have been pushed in ministry to try to figure out um, how to minister. And I think that's a good thing. Well, and one of those one of those new ways that we have learned to minister is using video. We're we're using Zoom to record this podcast. You're in Texas. Producer Trey and I are here in Nashville, and we can be together and have an interaction. And this may or may not be the greatest interaction with every child, but it's better than nothing, right? Where we can see a face and see expressions uh, and have an interaction in real time, uh, especially maybe for older kids. And so let's shift gears and talk a little bit about older children. So we've talked about preschool and some of, the, of how they learn. When, uh, at what point in time do we make the move away from some of that more tactile stuff to some things that are more ab abstract? And how might we treat uh, children differently as they grow older? Uh, good question. Um, if you looked at the public schools or a private school, you notice the change in the way they teach it comes um, 
comes between kind of the uh, really kindergarten and first grade. And so what you see is if you think about that in your head, you if you walked into a kindergarten classroom, there might be um, a, there might be activity stations or centers. Uh, you walk into first grade and while it looks intriguing, it's just not as much fun as the mm -hmm. kindergarten classroom. And so I think that's uh, that's a time that really you see it's obvious to a lot of us. Also, if we think about that in those school situations, uh, subjects are longer. Kids are doing things for longer periods of time. Can children sit there for those long periods of time? Not necessarily. Not all of them, right? So. No, not all of them. So we have to be smart and uh, intriguing and creative in how we are going to teach children. Because it's good for us to break things up, even longer sessions, into shorter nuggets. Kids love nuggets. So that we can re-engage. Yes, exactly. And if we look at those learners, they're 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 everyone is an individual that God created. I and mean, we think about that, no two individuals are going to be alike, right? We also know that they all learn differently. And um, there's there's so many learning style theories out there. One that really resonates with me is one that I see in the Lifeway curriculum. I realize this is not a Lifeway advertisement and you did not ask me to do this, but as one of the reasons I like the Lifeway curriculum, um, one of my former students by the name of Jeff Land was the chief editor of this book, Holy Kids. Holy Kids, great book. And one of the things that you have to do for me at Southwestern in my classes is you have to take the characteristics of children and you have to do a research study and you have to uh, look at, the, so the characteristics of children are the physical characteristics, cognitive characteristics, mm -hmm. uh, social emotional characteristics, spiritual characteristics. And so in this book, I'm pretty sure his research project is in this book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he does a great job, and this team does a great job of, they talk about preschoolers, uh, uh, zero to 12 years old in that classroom. So we look at the characteristics of children and then we think about the way they learn. So also in this book is Howard Gardner's multiple intelligence. It's not called that, but um, approaches to learning is what Lifeway is calling or what this group called. And so if we look at that, um, that approaches to learning is a theory that says, uh, and it's a theory that was established through watching the behavior of people. Hmm. And there's there's eight, really nine, but we talk about eight of these learning approaches and with children. Hmm. Uh, so you may have a child, they say that you're strong in two or three. It's not that you're strong only in one. So you these, these uh, learning approaches are musical. Uh, you have a physical learner's approach where a child that... Uh, that's a child, if they walked into the room and you want to teach them about that Jesus was a carpenter, what's a great thing that you could do with Jesus with a carpenter? Well, you can get out the blocks and you can, uh, and together they can, you can have this story about this is what Jesus did when he was a little boy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, drama, drama is great for the physical learner. The physical learner needs to be touching and moving 
when they are uh, learning. Mm. Then you have the musical learner. So you've got these children in your your classroom. Uh, from all, they're always there. So you've got the child that um, think about older little boys. Uh, they beat on the the desk because yes. they like the sound of a drum. Well, I still do that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, you like the rhythm of words. You so mm. you're this musical learner. You like the mm. beat. Uh, I had a professor that said her daughter was having a hard time learning multiplication tables. She was what that's what the third or fourth grade. And so this same child was she loved music. Uh, you know, she's listening to music when she when she studies, things like that. Uh, third grade, fourth grade, you know, just enjoyed music. So this professor said, hey, Kayla, why don't we march while we, let's walk around the room while we say our multiplication tables. And she could learn her multiplication tables by moving and walking to the beat of, mm. of, of you know, just a beat in the mm. marching. And so um, the other approaches to learning are, uh, wow, I should look at the book. Um, well, I go back, while we're on music, I go back in my, you know, my generation, I go back to Schoolhouse Rock. And the yes. only reason that I knew the preamble to the Constitution was because of Schoolhouse Rock. So you're right. There's such uh, an advantage to that. Yes. To uh, understand the different ways of learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that we that we know these, that we look at our kids these ways, because one child may be we call them reflective learners where mm. they that reflective learner, they are they're all about being by themselves. We might call them. Uh, an, an introvert. Mm. Um, so they they're deep thinkers. There's you 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 have a conversation with them and they are thinking deeply about what you're saying. Yes. They're thinking deeply about what that means. Um, and, and and so in a classroom, we need to have opportunities for that child. We don't all need to be get, be together all the time. Then you have the relational learner. They learn by being together with people. Mm. And so I think someone will ask me when I teach this in my classes. So does that mean, Dr. Kenimer, that you have to have activities for each one of these learners? No, you do not. You want kids to stretch and grow, right? Mm. And so what it means is you've got to vary your act. You would need activity teaching and you've got to vary those activities. And if I'm a reflective person, it's really helpful that I'm pushed out to do something relationally. Mm. Um, so variety is so important then that we mix it up. I know that there is a balance between um, not being uh, so driven by one approach mm -hmm. that we don't uh, in explore other options. Mm -hmm. And the other would be that we change all the time and, and that there's no predictability. And children really like uh, predictability, mm -hmm. uh, especially those who may be a little bit uh, you know, uncomfortable with if they're surprised by things or if there are big changes. So we need to be consistent, yet we also need variety and there's a balance there. Yes, there is. That's right. So the balance could be that um, the schedule is the same. So when we have children in our Bible study hour, um, the schedule is the same. Where the creativity comes in and the change is in the activity. So, so always we come in and we have what do we call these early arriver activities. Well, that's the first 10 minutes. 
those early arriver activities can change, but they're always early arriver activities because yes, you're right. In our tip with our typical classrooms, we'll have especially in the church, we have kids with special needs. And I think really those of us who are used to teaching typical children, we really need to go uh, to to classes on strategies of special needs children because those strategies can help in our classrooms. And that's one of the, that's one of the things they tell you is schedule is important. But in that schedule, there is there has to be variety. Exactly. And that's one of the challenges that we face during this season of trying to do kids ministry decentralized, where we are trying to reach kids at home through our computer screens or through social media channels. We can teach that way. We can speak to the lens and deliver a Bible story. But introducing variety may be something that is a good challenge for each of us to say, how do we have consistency, even in the video teaching sessions that we do, to not just do the same thing every single time, uh, but to have a structure we follow, but where we sometimes mix it up with a game or with, I don't know, a puppet or a different type of thing that we can do, you know, something to mix it up and keep it uh, fresh. And that can be a real challenge, I would guess, with uh, doing remote uh, content. But uh, it might be easy for us to fall in a rut of just just doing the same thing and then wondering why we're losing interest or engagement. Yeah, and I think also to that, um, and kids are, and, and if you have children right now that are in your house, um, what they're what's happening is if they're going to school and they're having to do it remotely what they're finding is they're on technology all day long and so at the end of the day they're exhausted because there's something about it's it's i feel it when i finish teaching at the end of the day and i've been on zoom and i've been doing technology all day long for whatever reason i'm sure there's some brain research that tells you why it's exhausting and so what another thing that parents are saying to to children's ministers and preschool ministers please don't give me another zoom please do not give me technology and so in that there 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 needs to be a balance also um and we i've talked about that with other children's ministers because i'm listening because i'm i'm a professor, I'm a ministry associate, I'm not on a church staff, and I'm listening to them. Mm. And uh, so they've got to be creative. And we talk about different kinds of learners. Some learners will love this technology stuff. Others, they're not, they're not going to listen. They need interaction. My five, my six-year-old little grandson is in kindergarten, and I ask him, he's public school kindergarten, and they're not gathering yet. Uh, hopefully after Labor Day, which you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, but I asked him the other day, I said, so Keegan, um, how's kindergarten? He goes, I want to go to school and be with my friends. I don't like it. And uh, so, yes, we need to use technology, but somehow we have to think about the way kids learn and we have to push ourselves. How are we ministering to people today? And it's probably those good old fashioned porch visits, dropping off a bag and technology, all of those things. Dr. Karen Kinnemer, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for sharing with us. It's always fun when we get to talk. We could go on 
for twice as long very easily, but we need to wrap up for the sake of our listeners. But let's do this again soon. And I would love to have you back and to talk more. So I'll get in touch with you so we can do another episode soon. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. We want to direct you to a couple resources. So Dr. Kinnamer listed a couple books. Uh, Producer Trey, let's make sure we put those in the show notes, please, on kidsministry101.com for this episode. And then you can find Holy Kids, the other resources that we have listed. I also want to direct you to two different places, listeners. One is a free resource that LifeWay Kids provides called the Levels of Biblical Learning. And so Levels of Biblical Learning, you can find this at LifeWay.com slash Levels of Biblical Learning. It's a long URL, but it's worth the time to type it in because what you will find is a framework. It's not a resource. It's not for sale. It's a framework to help you understand how kids learn 10 biblical concepts at eight different ages levels so we can use the right words and the right way of teaching to build concept on concept, precept on precept to help kids understand spiritual truths in age-appropriate ways. So lifeway.com slash levels of biblical learning is an interactive web page that will let you investigate, explore that. And it has printable PDFs that you can send home to parents to help them understand how their children are learning at different ages. So that's a great resource. The other one is the ebook that I mentioned at the, the beginning of the episode. We do have an ebook out called 10 Attributes of an Unshakable Kids Ministry. The best place to find that is at a brand new URL that we have just released that's called lifeway.com slash kids ministry from anywhere. This is a place where we have gathered several resources, including three eBooks that we have written during the COVID quarantine uh, time, uh, but also links to training videos, uh, free training that you can uh, connect your leaders with, and other resources to help you figure out how you can do kids ministry from anywhere during this season when you are not able to gather in a way that we really would like to. So, lifeway.com slash kids ministry from anywhere. Check those things out. You will find the 10 attributes ebook there. And check out the archives for our podcast at uh, kidsministry101.com. So, pop over there and check out all the past podcasts. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Dr. Kinnamer, thank you again for being with us. And we will see you all back again next time for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. Mm-hmm.